Greetings. We hope you enjoy this podcast of a Science for the Public program. If you'd like to see the video of this program, just search the title on our website under the Archives tab at the top of the homepage, www.scienceforthepublic.org. Good evening. I'm Yvonne Stapp for Science for the Public, and I welcome you to tonight's Contemporary Science Issues and Innovations program. Our topic is time travel, and our guest is David Toomey, professor of English at UMass Amherst, co-director also of the English Department's Professional Writing and Technical Communication program. Dr. Toomey's teaching and work reflect a very broad background and expertise, which includes several areas of literature plus science and technical writing. This scope may help to explain his particular gift for translating exciting but difficult concepts in physics, cosmology, and astrobiology. He's the acclaimed author of a number of popular science books. Tonight's discussion, based on his 2007 book, The New Time Travelers, A Journey to the Frontiers of Physics, was among 10 nonfiction books named New and Notable by Scientific American in 2007 and listed among the best sci-tech books 2007 by Library Journal. His 2013 book, Weird Life, The Search for Life That's Very Different from Our Own, was long listed for the 2014 Penn and E.O. Wilson Literary Science Writing Award and shortlisted for Physics World Book of the Year for 2013 and named an editor's choice by the New York Times Sunday Book Review. Tonight, Dr. Toomey will explain why time travel is so alluring, not just for science fiction, and he'll tell us about the major contributions to the development of the idea. He'll also talk about the significance of science fiction in the evolution of the idea of time travel. It's our great pleasure to welcome, by Google Hangouts from Amherst, Massachusetts, David Toomey. Dr. Toomey, welcome. Thank you. And I'll start off, since we're going to talk about time travel, there is a lot of confusion around the concept of time, a lot of, uh, of dispute. What is it about time that is such a uh, problem? Uh, time is a problem. Uh, short answer is because no one knows what it is. Um, St. Augustine, uh, many centuries ago, uh, I'll paraphrase poorly, but he said something like, uh, I know what it is until you ask me to explain it. And in fact, um, um, it's still pretty difficult to explain. In fact, physicists today uh, do not have a good definition of the word now. Right. I get that idea that they don't seem to have it because one of the difficulties that is in physics, it seems, uh, from here that it is isolated from a material context. So it, it's hard to think of time without change. And change has to happen in a material uh, context, in a material environment, has to be something. So that is perhaps one of the the difficulties that in physics it's sometimes just treated as a maybe separate entity. But in any case, 
Could you give us a little background about the concepts that, uh, from physics that uh, are most significant to the idea of time travel? Sure. Um, the, um, the most significant concepts are Einstein's special relativity and general relativity. Special relativity, uh, uh, special relativity uh, presents a concept of time as part of space. Uh, the idea that time and space are inseparable, and a physicist would call them space-time. Right. You have to. Um, this seems um, counterintuitive to us. We think of space as having three dimensions: height, breadth, and width. And in fact, uh, there should be properly properly seen the universe uh, we know has four dimensions. The fourth dimension being time. The idea seems counterintuitive to many people. Um, it it's not counterintuitive if you think about it a certain way. Uh, one way, one, th one thing I I might say, and I'm not the first to say this is that it's quite impossible to imagine a point in space that's not also a point in time. Mm -hmm. For instance, imagine, if you can, the room you woke up in this morning. If you imagine that, um, try to imagine it now, you'll imagine it at a, maybe at 9 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 6 a.m., but Try now to imagine it at no particular time. I think you'll find you really can't. Mm -hmm. Alternately, try to imagine a point in time that's not a point in space. Say, for instance, um, a minute before midnight on New Year's Eve last year. Uh, you might uh, be able to imagine it at Times Square or wherever you happen to be at the time, but I think you really won't be able to, imag to imagine it without also imagining a point in space at, this, at the same time. You, as it were, um, one, uh, one might conceive of, uh, if, I ask, if, you, if I ask you to imagine a point in time, but not a point in space, you might come up with a digital clock, uh, a readout of 1159, or um, um, an analog clock, or a calendar, but, you, but those are just um, symbols, rather awkward ones. Um, I think you really can't do it. So um, this this uh, is a long way around the barn to say space and time are inseparable. Mm -hmm. But then it's just uh, difficult to imagine now traveling if backwards, say, in time. Can you help us out with that? How can you travel back in time? I know uh, that the theory said it should be possible of Theoretically, what does it mean to travel back in time? Uh, to travel backward in time, to understand how one might travel backward in time, one first has to understand how one travels forward in okay. time. Um, now, traveling forward in time, let's call it future-ward time travel. Yeah. This, this is, um, this is uh, a prediction of Einstein's special relativity. The, the, Theory of relativity Einstein put forth in 1905. So, to travel uh, forward in time, of course, we are all traveling forward in time one second every second, one hour every hour, one day every day. That is 
future word time travel in, we might say, the trivial sense of future word time travel. But um, Einstein's theory of special relativity declared that the speed of light is fixed. The speed of light is constant. It cannot be changed. It's, it's 186,000 miles a second or 300,000 kilometers a second. So very, very fast. But it is fixed. Uh, meaning, if I am standing still viewing a, uh, a photon traveling at the speed of light, I'm going to measure the speed at 186,000 miles a second. If I am going at half that speed alongside it, I am still going to measure it at 186,000 miles a second. Now, this seems quite counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And the only um, uh, the only way to explain this, the only way Einstein could explain this was a uh, tremendously radical way. He said that distance itself is elastic. Um, so the theory of special relativity predicted, among other things, that distance could shrink and expand. Um, the um, special relativity means, um, makes makes it uh, predictions that are pretty bizarre and counterintuitive, but they are counterintuitive only because we don't travel at relativistic speeds most of us, most of the time, anyway. Um, so, um, but um, uh, one calls upon what um, many people know as the parable of the twin to explain how future time travel might work. So, suppose you have twins and one. Suppose you have twins. One, uh, here's twin number one, okay? Here's twin number two. <laughs> twin number one stays on Earth. Twin number two travels very far away from Earth and back again at relativistic speed, that is, the speed approaching uh, the speed of light. Um, suppose this, this, uh, this travel, this, this uh, journey into outer space and back starts today in 2018. And suppose it takes 10 years as measured by twin number one who stays home. Uh, the closer twin two travels to the, to the speed of light, the slower his clock will tick. Uh, and uh, if he wanted uh, to travel very, very close to the, to the speed of light, it would tick um, in, in a 10 years time measured on Earth, it would tick only an hour or half an hour or a minute. So when he returns, you see, uh, he will have effectively traveled 10 years into the future. So he returns at 2028. 20, he's only an hour older or half an hour older or a minute older, depending on how close he travels to life. His twin, the stay-at-home twin, is really 10 years older. So twin number two effectively has traveled into the future by 10 years. Um, and there's nothing... Um, uh, there's nothing about that that's science fiction. That would happen, and it does happen. We have measured the effect, uh, physicists have measured the effect innumerable times. Um, of course, we can't travel near the speed of light right, right. now, but we can uh, use very, very sensitive clocks, like atomic clocks. Right. Uh, one experiment, you, put, uh, you keep one clock at home, uh, and they are synchronized. You take the, the other clock and you put it in a jet aircraft and you fly around the world once or twice. Um, and when the second clock returns home, you will find its clock had 
picked at a lower rate, at a slower rate than the other one. So it had effectively traveled into the future. Fraction, but, but, but that is time traveled. Right. Uh, this part is understood that, that in principle, th this, this can happen. But in fact, we don't know of anything material that can travel at the speed of light. That's a, that's a small problem. But let's just say for the moment that we're going to travel forward or back. There are these mechanisms or uh, machines, the time machines and so forth, that are supposed to uh, take us there. Can you tell us about that? We should make clear that there's no theory of time travel that talks about traveling at the speed of light. Uh -huh. Only light travels at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. um, these, uh, the, the future word time travel scenarios I just described, one travels near the speed of light, uh, but not at the speed of light. Right. And, okay. Yes, fine. Okay. Then, so however we get there. Now, I, I just want to uh, uh, start, just introduce this to remind everybody that there have been many examples in science fiction, certainly, but also the great scenes out of the Christmas Carol where uh, the, the, a person can travel back and observe past events. And mm. uh, but the person is observing the past events and in almost like the way we do with dreams or something. You cannot interact. You don't really reconstitute the event. Is that true? And in time travel, in traveling back, uh, and I'm thinking of the grandfather paradox and, and, and so forth, the idea is that you somehow interact with a past event which is true and how do we get there? Okay. Um, uh, we can, it's, it's not difficult to visualize the past. We're always doing that. Right. Um, and that is because the speed of light, although very, very fast, is finite. So when you look at the moon, you are seeing the moon as it was one and one quarter seconds ago. Right. Okay. When you look at the sun, you're seeing the sun as it was eight minutes ago. Right. Um, so if you went very far from Earth, say 100 light years from Earth, and you had a sufficiently powerful telescope and pointed at Earth, you would see things on Earth that, as they were 100 years ago. Right. Um, now, we, we wouldn't, um, physicists would call that um, time travel. Right. But that is seeing the past. We're always seeing the past. Um, how do you... Um, how do, how do physicists talk about doing it now? Um, uh, password time travel um, um, requires, or it is made possible, I should say, by Einstein's ideas of general relativity. General relativity is uh, um, an enlargement of special relativity. It includes gravity. Special relativity did not... Uh, account for gravity, had no way of accounting for gravity. But general relativity, roughly speaking, says gravity bends space-time. So with to, to make a, one way to make a time machine uh, would be take a wormhole. Mm -hmm. A wormhole, um, as uh, our viewers may know from uh, countless science fiction stories, is a tunnel through space-time. Um, and if you if you 
a wormhole. Uh, here's, a, here's a rough diagram. Um, uh, suppose we have worm, a wormhole here. This is one mouth of the wormhole. This is the other mouth of the wormhole. Um, I, if, um, uh, if I connect these, I fold space-time, as it were, okay? Yeah. So I can come in, I can uh, just punch through space-time and I come out here, right? I can walk through the Earth, the Earth mouth wormhole and come out the Arcturan mouth wormhole, right? Uh, so I have, um, I have not bothered traveling those 36 light years. But now, suppose I treat the mouths of the wormhole the way I treated the twins. I take one mouth and I move it at near the speed of light away from the other mouth and back again. So they're side by side again. Uh, at this point, the, the stay at home wormhole will be 10 years older. It'll mm -hmm. be uh, in 2028. The moved wormhole will not have aged as much, say it aged only an hour, the way the, the travel twin aged. That would mean I could jump in to the mouth of the stay-at-home wormhole in 2028 and emerge from the mouth of the moved wormhole in this year, in 2018. So that would be a kind of time machine. That would That is the uh, most common idea I see. of time machine. Okay. Now, do you physically enter the wormhole, and are there any uh, conditions on us physically if you do this kind of strange trip? Well, yeah, there are. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, A couple. <laughs> it's strange to say there are physicists who have written papers explaining how it might be done. It would only be done uh, with uh, great amounts of energy. You, you can't, uh, if we could uh, make a wormhole, keep it open long enough for someone to go through it, uh, some calculations have suggested it would take the energy of three quarters of the stars in the Milky Way galaxy over a year, the energy output of uh, three quarters of stars. In the and then you hope it stays open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there's one difficulty there, just making the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, there would be, uh, there probably be some kind of um, uh, physical challenges to the human body as well. Uh, gravitational stresses might be enormous. Uh, human body might not withstand it. There are, though, I, there are physicists who work around this, and yeah. they, they have uh, they talk about benign wormholes in which the stresses wouldn't be so great, or <laughs> ways to shield the radiation. Radi radiation effects might be pretty severe too. Um, but um, to um, to some theoretical physicists thinking about these things are just fun. And they're not insurmountable problems for a civilization which can uh, harness the output of the energy of three quarters of the stars in the Milky Way. <laughs> right. Which is uh, the idea then definitely assumes physical movement through space time, right? Mm -hmm. of, of physical bodies moving uh, backward or forward in space time. 
by various they're different kinds of, of constructions, wormholes, and I think there's another one of this particular cylinder in space, and uh, there are all sorts of things uh, to get you there. But the idea is that you physically move human beings from this point, the present, either backward or forward in time, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, but just to get that straight. Then the other is you interviewed a number of really uh, interesting physicists. You, people might really enjoy reading about them. It's very interesting, the different kinds of ideas that came up. Would you mention like uh, two or three people that you consider major uh, contributors to this idea? I think uh, Caltech physicist Kip Thorne, absolutely, <laughs> who recently uh, is a uh, recipient, uh, one of the co-recipients of a Nobel Prize for the yeah. discovery of gravity waves. Um, Thorne uh, may have done more to introduce the idea or make uh, the idea of um, the study of time travel, password time travel, of um, some interest and, and perhaps respectable by physicists. Um, he um, was uh, called on as a consultant for uh, the film Contact, yeah. which was produced by Carl Sagan. It's, um, I'm forgetting the year, 1990-something. Um, but um, uh, Sagan wanted um, a realistic wormhole in the film, and, uh, and Thorne advised him on it. Uh, but, and... and uh, the film wasn't about time travel, but Thorne went away from that, thinking harder and harder about it all. And um, and um, some uh, some time later, came up with a with a with a paper, one of the first papers that uh, talked about discussed how one might do it realistically. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because uh, uh, Thorne, Kip Thorne, has been. Uh, so important in the idea, as you, as you mentioned, of the gravitational waves. And there's, for a long time, there were people that had doubts about that, too. And then, uh, the, I guess, general relatively, relativity did predict such things, but there was no way to prove it. And mm -hmm. then, very recently, we, it was just a tremendous accomplishment. So maybe this will come true in time as well. But uh, he has a tremendous uh, imagination in addition to the brilliance. There are uh, other things, and you address this in the book, that there was a need for a, 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 a new mathematics or advances in mathematics in order to build this kind of theory. Is that true? Um, most uh, the, uh, the types of uh, time travel I've discussed are pretty logical consequences of special relativity and, and general relativity. Um, but to, um, to, divide, to create those theories, Einstein needed a new kind of geometry, um, not the Euclidean geometry that most yeah. learned in geometry on a flat surface. Um, Einstein needed geometry on, uh, that would work on curved surfaces. Uh, a different kind of mathematics, and uh, it is called Riemannian geometry. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's just a very advanced, uh, several very advanced ideas along those lines, but that's not so familiar, I think, uh, in general. And uh, it's interesting how much these new geometries have contributed to not just this concept, but a number of other concepts. I'd like to turn now to your uh, writing, your own background, which is a kind of unusual. You started out in literature, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And why did I think you were a Faulkner specialist? Is that true or was that, did I make that up? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I studied Faulkner in, in graduate school. Okay, so there you were reading William Faulkner and you got interested in science. Is, were you always interested in science? Do you have a background in that also? I was interested in science um, the, when I first learned what science was. Now, um, what do you mean by that? What does it mean early on or? Yeah, I, 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 I suppose I can't remember not being interested in science. I mean, in what uh, we call okay. like um, how high clouds are, how far away the moon is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's interesting just because sometimes there's such antagonism in the liberal arts toward the sciences, and in fact, there's uh, there are many areas to be. Uh, friendly about, that there should be much more mutual interest. Uh, I wonder if you think that your literature background tribute to your writing abilities for these very difficult concepts like time travel. That might not be for me to say. I, I, I don't know. Okay, you don't, you don't feel that the literary background necessarily uh, influenced it. I would hope, I would expect that uh, reading good writing um, yeah. uh, helps you be a better writer. It's, well, what I mean is that some of these concepts are extremely abstract. It's really quite difficult. You have to spend a lot of time getting really acquainted with the, with the concepts. And I'll point out that I'm not thinking just of this book, but your other one, Weird Life, where the examination of this, the, uh, the biochemistry, it's, it's a very difficult uh, task, and you took that one on also. Do you have any... Uh, I, uh, any projects going on now in science? I am thinking about projects involving animal behavior. Ah, okay. All right. And uh, is that underway or is that just a prospect? It's just a prospect. Okay. All right. Well, we'll wait for that one then. In any case, I want to thank you very much for joining us by distance tonight. And uh, I wish you very, very well in the future. And thank you for writing these wonderful books for us. Thank you. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of a Science for the Public event. Please check out our website, www.scienceforthepublic.org, for videos of all our events, lists of upcoming events, our weekly Sci News Roundup newsletter, and timely science information.